Hello and welcome to the Black Arrow's Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. My name is Simon Allison. I'm head of Black Arrow's Employment Team. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and aims to help you navigate the murky and often contentious world of employment law. Welcome to season two, where we're answering your Twitter questions. How to be a good witness. How to manage your apprentices. How to do social media. We will answer these questions as fully as we can. Our aim in this season is to answer your Twitter questions from start to finish, making sure you keep in touch with the law. Hello, welcome to episode 8 of season 2 in our How To series of podcasts. Hello Jack, how are you doing today? Top of the morning, Si. I am very well, thank you. What about you? I am A-OK. Glad to hear it. Um, so we've been asked a question by Avian about data protection. Jack, tell me a bit about Avian before you do. Okay, Avian. They are a Dundee-based design studio and they specialise in branded design and management. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of impressive clients on their um, on their books, including the Scottish Rugby Union, Walker Shortbread, Yum Yum, and Our Dynamic Earth. <laughs> okay. I've actually seen some of their work and it's pretty impressive, I've got to say. Good stuff. Okay, so the question we treated in is, do I need to appoint a data protection officer? So what's the answer to that, Jack? <sighs> Good one. Don't know why you're looking at me, Simon. <laughs> Shall we get our guest in, shall we? Might as well, I think. Let's welcome Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm glad to see you back for your second podcast of this. Yeah, second. Welcome good back, stuff. Ruth. Welcome back. Thanks very much. So let's go for this question here. Do you need to appoint a data protection officer? Over to you, Ruth. Data protection officer. That's a bit long for me. Any chance we could shorten it to DPO? DPO. Yeah, definitely. We can go with the abbreviated DPO. Okay, let's go for that then. DPO. Go for it, Ruth. What's the answer to that question? Okay, so if we need to uh, appoint a DPO, at present, there's no requirement, uh, but that's all going to change in May next year when the GDPR hits. From then on, if you meet one of three criteria, you'll need a DPO appointed. Um, First one is if you're a public body. Okay. Second one, if your core activity of your business is carrying out regular and systematic monitoring of individuals on a large scale. Okay. And the third one, if your core activity is processing sensitive data or data relating to criminal records or offences on a large scale, and large scale means processing of 250 individuals or more. Okay. Okay, doke. I think I could just about follow that, Ruth, but I was testing my brain cells. Any chance you could just give us a wee example of that, please? Yep, no worries. Um, so given that Avian have got quite a few well-known names on their uh, books. I thought I'd answer with a bit of a case study following the theme and use TV shows, the TV show featuring everybody's favourite dysfunctional family, The Simpsons. Ooh, The Simpsons. Love them. The Simpsons. That was good, wasn't it? That was very good, Si. I think (laughs) since you've set the bar so high there, please let us play Name the Theme Tune Game. Just now? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, go on. You sing a theme tune, I'll guess what it is. Ruth, get your fingers on buzzers. Yeah, I'll get my thinking cap on. Get Get ready for this, okay. There's no lyrics here, it's just a tune, so be ready. Okay. That's me buzzing. I've got that. Do you realize? Stop, stop. Do you realize, Ruth? I don't. That's Mad Men, isn't it? Oh, man, I've not watched Mad Men. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Go get fingers on buzzers, okay. Okay. 
Jack Dexter. Yay. Oh, so it is. Oh, man. Okay, your turn, Ruth. No, okay, uh, okay, no, back. No, no. Okay. We'll save that for the end, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay, back to the question. Ruth, what's the answer to the question? Um, so, Using Springfield, yeah, um, as an example, clearest uh, examples would be Springfield Elementary and the DMV, which would fall into public authority, so need a DPO. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're in the States, Springfield Hospital uh, wouldn't be a public authority, but processes sensitive data, like health records of patients, as part of its core activity and on a large scale, so falls into the third criteria. Ah. Um, And within... Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, although Mr. Burns is constantly monitoring his employees on that lovely CCTV system. Excellent, Smithers. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. That was good. Um, because that's not the core activity of the nuclear power plant, they don't actually fall into the second category, so they wouldn't need a DPO. Ah. So if you fall into one of these three categories, then you do need a DPO. Yeah. Who, who then could be a DPO, Ruth? Presumably that balloon Homer Simpson couldn't be a DPO, could he? Oh, poor Homer. He's not even here to defend himself. Maybe it could be a DPO. No. Sorry, Homer. <laughs> um, so a uh, DPO doesn't need to have any particular skills or meet any criteria. It's just really sufficient ex- um, expertise and knowledge of data protection law, which will depend on the type of processing that's done. They will have responsibility for four key things. Informing and advising an organisation on compliance with data protection rules, monitoring compliance with data protection rules and internal policies, advising and monitoring on any impact assessments that might be carried out, and acting as a point of contact with the supervisory authority authority within the UK, that's going to be the ICO, Um, can be an existing employee or a new employee for that specific role or an external advisor. Um, organisations might look at a combination of internal and external mm-hmm. depending on the size of the organisation and the work involved you know it might not be a realistic having one person to do everything yeah yeah that makes sense so I guess if it's like a really really huge company who processes loads and loads and loads of pages and things of data you would probably need more than just uh, Homer doing the job alone yeah it, it might kind of be, probably need a team Good stuff. So I suppose, as well, is it fair to say that if you do have a a, um, a DPO, their skills and knowledge need to be kind of proportionate to the type of d- data that they're processing? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the more sensitive the data that's processed, the greater the knowledge the DPO will need. Um, the DPO also needs to have full understanding of the organisation to know what's being done, what data protection issues and risks might arise and how they can be mitigated. Okay. Any restrictions, Ruth, on who a DPO can be? Um, There are a few. Okay. What are these then? So they've got to be located in the EU. They've got to report directly to the highest level of management and they can't be conflicted. So this last rule, no confliction, rules out a lot of people who have an interest in or a say in how the data is processed. So managers or directors of HR, marketing, IT, etc. All right. Um. And looking back at Springfield, Yay. it's easy to see who would not be appropriate DPOs at the hospital. I think it's probably safe to assume that Dr. Riviera wouldn't meet the expert knowledge criteria. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? 
Dr. Riviera. And staying with the hospital, both him and Dr. Hibbert would probably be conflicted anyway because they're using the data. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I couldn't do Dr. Hibbert, I'm sorry. Um, at the DMV, Patty and Selma might seem like employees whose duties are compatible with being a DPO um, because they deal with the data on a daily basis. But the fact that they actually do the processing of the data means they're likely to be conflicted. Um, and lastly, at the power plant, if they chose to appoint a DPO, Mr Burns would be conflicted as the owner and CEO. But Smithers has knowledge of the business and could probably get up to speed on data protection rules, so it might look like a good option. But probably his relationship with Mr Burns would interfere in his ability to make a free decision as a DPO. Excellent, Smithers. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> that's that's much better. Well, yeah, well done. Um, and, you know, obviously this is just all fictional scenarios that we're looking at, but you can see how difficult it is to find somebody who could be a DPO and meet the, the sort of criteria that there are there that I've just set out. So do you reckon this is going to maybe bolster the jobs market, Ruth? Do you think there'll be sort of specialist niche jobs created for, uh, I don't know, what would you call them, data protection experts? I think that's definitely the way things are going. You can see it already starting now. What are the implications, Ruth, of picking the wrong person as your DPO? So I think the most important thing is if you need to appoint a DPO, you can't get out of it just by saying, oh, it's too difficult to find somebody. You'll need to pick somebody um, at some point. Okay. There are two key implications to think about. Um, first one is difficulties that there might be in disciplining and dismissing an employee if they've taken on a dual role as the DPO and in another employment role. All right. Um, so to give an example, we'll look at the world's worst safety inspector. Um, I think we can agree that Homer could probably be dismissed for a variety of failings in his current role. <laughs> Poor timekeeping, sleeping on the job, <laughs> generally neglecting his role. Definitely. You know, but if he was also appointed as the DPO, failings in his current role couldn't be used as a basis for dismissing it as the DPO as well. So he would continue on in that employment. Woohoo! So there's still hope for Homer. He can live on to drink more duff. Um, and the other implication is potentially being in breach of the data protection rules if the DPO doesn't do their job or isn't qualified for the job and leaves an organisation open to the maximum fine. Ooh, how much, how much, how much, how much? 20 million euros or 4% of global turnover. Oh, wow. Eek. That's Eek. scary money. Yeah. Really serious figures, isn't it? That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, so it's obviously important that organisations think carefully about who they appoint and make sure any disciplinary action is for the right role and reasons. And if there's any doubt, get in touch with the employment team. Yay, there we are. It's a good plug for us, isn't it? Like a wee plug. Okay, so that concludes our episode number eight. Is that we're on? Eight already. Episode it's hard eight. to believe. Hard, hard to believe, so it is. So we've got our three or four, five time tips you have today, Ruth. Limited it to three. Well. Learned my lesson last time. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> what are your three top tips, Ruth? Um, so tip one, check the criteria to see if you fall in to one of the categories. Pay particular attention to what your core activity is. Okay. Tip number two. Tip number two. Consider carefully who's skilled enough to be the DPO, rule out anybody who's conflicted and make sure they report directly to top level of management. Okay, and tip number three. Make sure any disciplinary action is taken for the right reasons and in respect of the right role. You can't fire a DPO just because you don't like their decision. 
good enough. So that concludes episode eight of our season two. Um, anything to say lastly, Jack? Um, just thanks very much, Root Toot, for coming along. Good to have you. Um, I would, however, like to... Can we get one more round of the singing inside? Please, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> okay, I'll think of one tonight. Let's go. Okay, fingers on buzzers. Ready. I'm shocking at this. I'm Okay, what's it then, Jack? True blood. <laughs> well done, Ruth. Oh, come man. on. I know, I need to up my TV game, I think. Right, Jack, you go. All right, I'll do one here. Um, ready? Yeah. Riding through this world <laughs> all alone. <laughs> God takes I think your my buzzer soul. might be broken. That's why I don't know anything. You're on your own. <laughs> the crow flies low. It's sons of anarchy, isn't it? Well done, sir. Ah, well right, done. That Ruth. was fast. Come on, Ruth. Go right. on. Come I've, on. I've prepared one, so uh, <laughs> okay. hopefully you get it. Fingers on buzzers. Let's go. No idea. No, no idea. idea. Come on. What was, what was your... Easties. Oh, man. <laughs> well, maybe we should have gone for that. Come on, guys. I'm not coming back. Game of Thrones. Sandra Geary special. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that concludes that episode. Um, let's go. Uh, cheers and cheerio. Cheers, guys. Ruth. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Hope you found that useful. If you want to tag, share, post on Facebook, you can do that, or on Twitter. I am at employer Simon. Jack is at employer Jack. Don't spell that, Jack. It's the <laughs> at sign E M P L A W Y E R J A C K. Good. And Ruth is Corp Law Ruth. Corp Lawyer Ruth. So. Do you want to spell that for me, please? At C O R P L A W Y E R. R-U-T-H Okay And what's your dog's name on Twitter? <laughs> I, d- I think her account I think she stopped using it She's not Barking Mad Mall? She was Barking Mad Mall <laughs> But I think it's all stopped now Okay Well that's the end of that <laughs> Cheers and cheerio Cheers Cheers